This is a new recording, man. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. What is going on, Marvin? Can you tell us what's going on? Like, you know. We've lost our minds. We've lost our minds. But that's, uh, you know what? Listen, we took a week off because I did not feel uh, it was uh, appropriate to just release something and act like everything was status quo and going on the way that it was just things were normal. No, they're not normal. And uh, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing because... Listen, I don't care. I don't care where you're standing on this thing. All right, stop trying to just inject your opinion into what's happening um, with the racial dynamics in the United States of America. That's the only advice I can give to you. I am not an expert to uh, heal humanity, and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and claim that I can't. Right. But I will tell you this, all right, and, I, and, and, I, and, and some of you know this, I, I coach some football players, all right, and one of the main parts of my job is to make them feel connected to each other, because when you feel connected to each other, you feel compelled to be the best version of yourself for the person you're connected to. We call it tying heartstrings, all right? Now, my first job, and my life was for days towing and gas at Sunoco on West Main Street in Hamilton, Ohio for my Uncle Bob Day, and he knew I was an idiot, and I wrecked tow trucks and tore stuff up, and if I ever changed your tire, I'm sorry, and I hope you're okay, all right, because I had no idea what I was doing. I'll just tell you right now, I had no idea, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. On those tow trucks, they got winches, all right? You've seen them before, the big, the big cables that are up in there. And uh, you, you don't just pull those things out for no reason, right? You, you keep those things tucked up in there so you can drive down the highway and then it doesn't get stuck on anything. It doesn't hook on anything you don't want to hook on to and you got yourself a mess. But when something goes sideways, when somebody flew off the road, when there's a snowstorm and sick cars are in the ditch, or you flipped over upside down, or you know, even one time this guy dumped his zero turn red snapper lawnmower in a pond and we had to go hook it up in there and pull it out of there. And that was fun because it took up like the entire time of my whole uh, four hour shift that I had after school and then I didn't feel like I had that hard to work that day. I digress. You don't have to use that winch unless something is going wrong, right? You know, we do, we do the same thing with our hearts, right? You keep those heartstrings tucked up in there in the, in the, in the co- all coiled up because every time you link your heart to something or someone, that thing has the potential to hurt you, right? And, and so we, we, we try not to attach 
something. We try not to emotionally get involved. And so we, we reserve and we, and we stick our heads in the sand and we, or we, 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 we retreat back into what we want was always familiar and made us feel good. And that's why we're so compelled right now to say, I wish things would just go back to normal. Well, you know what? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And it's not going to get any better for people. And I don't care if things are, were great for you, right? The bottom line is for a, for a large portion of our American people, right? Things aren't okay. And we are having to take a hard look at that, whether we want to or not. So here is, here's, here's what I can compel you, can, can employ, implore you to do, all right? Is to, in the middle of struggle, Lord knows we love struggle over here, all right? Lower out, we, that's when we lower out our heartstrings, looking for something to hook on to to make us feel better. Something, someone, somebody tell me and explain to me why this hurts so bad. You had that heartstring tucked up in there the whole time before that. But then when that happened, when you, when you got really uncomfortable, you, uh, you lowered that thing down. Well, you know what? Everybody's heartstrings are out there hanging. So we can look at this like, man, 2020, dude, I can't wait for this year to be over. Well, I am, I'm excited for it. And I know that sounds messed up because we have an opportunity to be more connected to each other and know each other on a human level, on an authentic level than we ever have before. We've been playing charades for a long time and don't you and I pretend that we haven't been, right? Well, it's getting real now. It's getting real, all right? And so hook on to somebody and, and, and let them hook on to you and love them. Love and, and, and love, right? Don't just say it's all love, man. It's all love and avoid all the conflict, all the uncomfortable conversations, all the things that, that is really human interaction, right? And I don't care if you believe in God or not, all right? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible yeah, it's my podcast. I'll talk about the Bible if I want to. How about that? All right? And love bears all things. Tell each other the truth. Okay? But in, instead of, a, oh, I hope, I hope this tweet sounds the right way, or I better post this because that'll make, that'll make everybody think I think this way, and I want to I make sure nobody thinks I'm like this right now. Instead of somebody just leveling with people and, and taking risk as to, hey, this is how I feel. Am I right? And I trust you enough to correct me if I'm not, right? Love bears all things. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, and let's not forget that, all right? It is not more important for you to be right than it is to be kind to somebody, all right? Now, I'm off my soapbox, but I'll be darned if we just pretend that we're just going to talk about the outdoors and hunting and fishing and that we don't act like things are, are getting a little salty outside. Okay, I thought you. We thought it was. Uh, we thought it was interesting with the coronavirus. That was nothing. All right, but uh, you know, I I, I want to encourage you guys to do that. All right, it's it's you have an opportunity, right, to have real experiences with the people around you right now. All right, the heartstrings are out, and make sure that they get connected to the right people and the right things. All right, okay. Moving on. 
Brody Henderson is a just he's a cool dude, and I am excited that we got to talk to him. Who is he? He is the senior editor of the Meat Eater. All right, these this is this is it. They're the Beatles of the outdoors. Okay, they're the they're the rock stars. They're the big guys. Steve and the boys. Right, Meat Eater on Netflix, MeatEater.com. You've watched them on YouTube, and and I and I love what they do, how they do it, and here's why, okay? I am not, I'm not an outdoorsman. So much of this stuff is about the outdoors, and the reason why is because, the reason why I love it is because it's, it's one of the last things on earth that's real. It's not faking it. If it's gonna, if you don't do the right thing, you'll get hurt. If you're not, if you don't work and study it and learn it, you will not be successful. And that is a big part of what uh, Brody and I discuss is why everybody has taken this strange demeanor of convenience and the intolerance they have that anything should ever be difficult for me or that I should ever be ignorant to anything, right? Hey, maybe you are wrong. Maybe you are wrong. You have no idea what you're doing and you're going to have to be humble enough to just suck at this for a while and get better at it and, and struggle and struggle and fail and look like an idiot and spend some time on it because the show you're watching and you think, well, it must be nice to be that guy. I wish I could go be that. I bet they just turned the camera off and said, no, they don't. All right. These guys put in the hours and the time and the stress and the effort to be able to carve out these types of lifestyles. And that's why we want to put people like Brody on this show so that you can listen and start being honest with yourself. If you don't like where you are, if you don't like what you're doing, if you don't feel like you've got adventure in your life, then you're not making yourself uncomfortable enough. How about that? All right. And I'm not saying that you didn't get dealt a terrible hand or, or things weren't unfair to you. Man, that's not the point I'm trying to make. But what I'm trying to say, if you can come to terms with something just being really difficult and that I am not good at this right now and I want to be, man, that's a, that's a beautiful experience, a beautiful path that you can go down. All right. And you'll find some beautiful people and some wonderful relationships and some and some lifelong memories that will attach to that. And that's what we get into during this. We talk about uh, his 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 growth, his experience as a writer. He's a phenomenal writer. Go to the website, go to meateater.com, read some of the. Uh, He's got a new episode of Meat Eater Hunts, which is their YouTube series they've just released. Um, He did a hog hunt down in Texas with Alvin Dado. And uh, who was just on our, our last episode of uh, of the Man Child podcast? It's just, and we didn't even know they even knew each other, and they're like best friends from their guiding days back in Colorado in the '90s. Just some really cool people that we've had the opportunity to be a part of and and to get to share some conversations with. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed making it. All right, and uh, enough, enough. What you know about me? All right, welcome back or welcome to 
the Man Child Podcast. I have on today's episode with us our guest, Brody Henderson, the senior editor of The Meat Eater. Brody, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, tell me a little bit about yourself, the listeners. I'm obviously well-versed in who you are and what you do and all that sort of thing, but if somebody's never heard of Meat Eater or know what's going on, how do we get them up to speed? Uh, Meat Eater is an outdoor media company. Um, Most folks are probably most familiar with uh the meat eater television show which is on netflix um steven ranella is the host uh so that's probably how most people have been exposed to meat eater but um we also do a lot of other things we have a, a website that we do a lot of hunting and fishing articles on we do a lot of video projects outside the meat eater television show um we're involved with writing books. We, we kind of have our hands in a, in a lot of different pots. Yeah, you guys have created kind of a behemoth of a company, and it seems rather rapidly, but you guys have been at this for some time now, correct? Sure, yeah. I, I, um, yeah, it, it's grown fast in the last couple of years. Um but yes, it's it's been a long time. The, the show, I think, is going on its, I think it's ninth season, maybe tenth. I think ninth season we're filming now. Um, and Steve's been writing books since since long before the the show got its start. Um, but the the company as a whole was formed a couple of years ago, where we started bringing in more people, more contributors creating a lot more content this term i don't feel like i've ever heard the term before 2018 of content and then all of a sudden it's all you ever we well, got to put out content you gotta make they're, they're spitting out a lot of content they got great content all this sort of when did that i mean is that a reaction to social media is it uh, this whole it's, it's well it's it's social media it's the widely increased use of the internet as a source of news and entertainment um you know content's always been around man it's like newspapers magazines television like that's all content it's just how that content has evolved Mm. well i guess my the thing that kind of makes me a little queasy is when people just say well you just got to make sure you just keep pumping stuff out i'm like okay but what is it worth putting out is it good did you well that yeah i mean that that's the thing is you know that you risk it's the old like quantity versus quality thing right yeah so yeah you risk by by just cranking out as much as you can as fast as you can you risk putting stuff out that's just not that good right and so we're very committed to only putting out stuff that that we can say we did our our best work on that and we're comfortable putting it out there um and and hopefully you know that that's the case that's how people feel about it well i think that people when you guys put something out at least i I get excited oh yeah i gotta make sure i put some time aside to watch that and it's that's just not the case it's hard for me to get to engage or make myself like okay i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna watch this thing through if it's not 
good or I'm not right. Like if it's not like, Oh man, there's a new Tarantino movie coming out. Like I, I, when I was a kid, I watched every movie that came out. Now I watch probably five movies a year and I like, right. They better almost get nominated. And so how do you, uh, and there's so many things I want to get to the backstory of you and this and, and, and meat eater, but off, off the bat here, how do you, how do you guys filter yourselves? How you're like, no, this sucks. Like, how do you keep yourself honest and call it, you know, call yourself out. You, you got to look at it from the perspective of, is this a good story? Right. So like, is it going to entertain? Is it going to educate or, or is it just, you're just making it like you said, to just put something out there. You know, part of this is all, all stems from the fact that people are more and more just used to having instant access to content. And there's, a lot of it and it's hard to weed through a lot of it to get to the good stuff but if you kind of start out making good stuff then then people don't have to weed through all the bad stuff to find you right have you guys ever made something and then you just scrap it because you're like it's yes yep yeah it's happened a time or two where we, we we felt pretty strongly about some some project that we were doing and then did it and then looked at it afterwards and and came to the conclusion that this is just not what we were trying to accomplish it doesn't work and you know we'll have to start over or or go another route and look for another idea but yeah it happens now and then and so as the editor are you making that decision um I am mostly in in the writing realm of things. You know, I certainly play a little bit of a role on influencing certain decisions here and there and how things are done and which ideas we're going to look at, at uh, taking, you know, taking a stab at. Um, as far as the, the film end of things, the video end of things, we have a whole production team that, that works on that end of our, of our content. I started out working on the film crew. I, I don't do much of that at all anymore. I'm way more focused on the writing end of things. Well, I, I think people get really intimidated about, especially writing themselves and then reading. How do you, how do you know you're writing well? versus you're like if steve says it's good then i know it's good (laughs) (laughs) no um it it, uh it takes a while man you know i i I took some writing courses in college at penn state and throughout my fly fishing guiding career I, i did some writing for newspapers and for magazines and and uh and you know website content but but i'll tell you what it's, it's like a work in progress man like i've only in the last few years couple of years like felt like man i am really starting to get this like i'm figuring this out it, it's like i mean it's like a lot of professions you know it takes a while before you really feel like you're good at something and i just always be improving yeah and i think that it's probably like uh, you, you listen to comedians like you're gonna suck at this when you start like you're gonna you're not gonna sound 
It's not going to sound good. When you stand up in front of people at 1 o'clock in the morning at the comedy store, it's not going to be good at first. And you're just going to have to get through that point. And I think people don't realize that about the writing process. or And, and it doesn't matter. what. I don't care how much of an authority you are on the subject you're about to write. It doesn't mean you're going to put it in a way that people can read it or want to read it or or it flows or anything like that. It Was, was writing always part of the game plan for you? Did you, is that, uh, you know, yes. in in a way that it was kind of, I mean, I wouldn't want to call it a pipe dream, but like when I was in college, I was like, man, that's what I'd like to do. Kind of thinking who knows if it'll ever happen. And it took a long time to get to the point where it's it, like, that's what I do for a living now. Um, you know, I, I was always dabbling in it or at least doing some form of writing, but it was never a career until a few years ago. That That's interesting that I'm always, when I, when I have people on here, I'm always trying to get after, you know, why are you doing this and where did it come from and why did you want to do it? So you, you had this sort of aspiration of being a writer and what, sparked that where was that influence being a reader <laughs> okay you know that, that's that's what it boils down to what kind of stuff were you reading well, that was kind of getting your wheels turning like uh... everything man like i remember reading the hobbit when i was in like i don't know first or second grade something like that and just devoured fiction as a kid like all the way through high school and then uh in college, started enjoying more nonfiction stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's often look you have this view as a kid of as nonfiction as being this real dry, like, right. oh man, I don't want to read a history book. Yeah. But then uh, in college, I really started to appreciate more nonfiction books, and through that came to learn that there were a lot of very good writers out there writing about hunting and fishing did you okay that was my next question were you going to point this? was this always part of the plan to point this at hunting fishing the outdoors conservation no it's, that's not where it started you know i, I would say if, if you asked me when i was 22 years old i was like any other writer i wanted to write the next great american novel you know it's whatever all writers aspire to do i think did you take a swing at that point. no Nope. Yeah. Became a fly fishing guide instead. Okay. So the uh, what what part of PA were you from? Edinburgh, which is up by uh, northwestern Pennsylvania, just south of Erie. It's a little little university town. Okay. So, I mean, how does a kid from there get the idea? Are there a lot of kids moving to Colorado to go be a, a fly fishing guide? I can't imagine that being. No, no, but my father was a high school physics teacher. So, you know, obviously he had summers off. And, uh, so when we were kids every summer, he'd pack us up and, uh, we'd do a, you know, anywhere from a, like three to four week tour of the American West. And uh, so I kind of grew to, even though you don't really realize you're growing to love a place when you're that young, but by the time I was in high school, I, I 
kind of knew that that was the direction I wanted to head. So after I graduated from Penn State, that's what I did. I, I moved out to uh, I, to work in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. What were you What were you doing in the Tetons? Driving a delivery truck around inside the park and pulling over to stop in fish creeks and rivers now and then. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, but, I can't. Is there a lot of people? See, I'm from a town. Uh, this the Rust Belt, Hamilton, Ohio. It's just north of Cincinnati, and it's it's one of those types of places where you know you don't you don't leave it. You know, it's a lot of folks. They don't. They just that's where you're from, and that's where you stay. And some great, great people, and they lead great lives there. And that's not the angle I'm taking. It's just right. Uh, where did you get some sideways looks from some of the boys back home when you're like, "Up, oh, I'm moving to the Tetons," and they're like, "What?" No, not really, man. Because I was at, you know, I was at Penn State, which is like a giant university. Right. So people tend to, after being there for a few years, kind of go their separate ways. But like my hometown, Edinburgh, I still have guys that I graduated with that they're still living right there. So I know where you're coming from. But um, no, I, I didn't I didn't catch any flack or, or, you know, nobody questioned as to why you'd want to go out to a place like that. Right. So you're driving a you're driving a a delivery truck you're jumping out and you're uh fishing when you can when does when does guiding become a, a viable possible reality for you well i i kind of did that seasonal work there and then then ended up in uh down in colorado and for a few years worked various jobs managing bookstore i worked for an engineering company you know just kind of bounce around when you're in your early and mid-20s but um i was living on the front range in boulder colorado Mm -hmm. and i was most weekends or anytime I, i had a day off i was driving up into the mountains to fly fish for trout and uh after a few years of that um, one of the fly shops that I frequented up in the mountains, they, they were constantly bugging me that I should come and guide. And eventually I decided that was a good idea. And I, so I signed up for their guide school and, and uh, made it through one day of the guide school. And then they put me to work, uh, put me to work guiding. One day. So you obviously went out there and you're like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Was that? Well, good? I mean, from the fishing end of things yeah but i mean guiding is it's not as much about fishing as it is being able to relate to to people and and i guess the uh the outfitter that was running that guide school felt like you know that was something i can handle and and that i didn't need to go through an entire school to to figure that kind of stuff out are you were you self-taught with all of the the actual know-how stuff yeah, I mean, I always fished with my dad a lot when I was a kid, and, and we fished all different ways, you know, bait fishing, spin fishing, fly fishing, and I, I guess probably about the time I was I was at Penn State is when I kind of gravitated more towards the fly fishing. There's some real good, uh, real good trout streams 
in that part of Pennsylvania. And I just kind of started leaning that direction. And then once I got out West, it was all about the fly fishing and, and yeah, I was largely self-taught. Cause I always think that that's uh that's a big deterrent. Like if you don't have, if you didn't have the, uh, the introduction with dad and, and, and just trying out these different things and stuff like that. And then, you know, you're sitting around and I, I, I got a soft spot in my heart, maybe because I'm largely am one of these guys for the, you know, you, all of a sudden you're in your thirties and you got a couple kids and you're just like, well, I can't just, I don't want to just sit at the house. I want to go do these cool adventures and things like that. And I always wonder like those guys just, they just going to have to bite the bullet and realize they're going to suck at this. And, but they don't get the, luxury of sucking at it and being a kid and people think it's cute like you're just gonna have to do this as a grown man and that's the only way you've got to learn or what what would you say how does somebody that doesn't know anything about anything how does he get started i i mean that's whether you're talking about fly fishing or hunting or you know it doesn't really matter it's you just got to dig into it and then go after it man like we get a lot of people writing into us saying, I want to get into hunting and I don't know how I've, or I've tried and I'm not successful and they want to give up. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like you got to put your time in, you know, you can't expect it to just happen. Um, that's not the way being successful at anything works. Right. Why, like, why do you think we do though? Why do you think we expect that? What is that? Is that just a... I'm not sure what's changed. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I Like, I, I don't know when we kind of shifted away from this thing where you were kind of taught that in order to be successful or to be good at something, that you're going to have to put time in. I don't know when that shift kind of started happening, but... Maybe it has to do with the instant kind of gratification that you can get just by looking something up on Google. I'm not sure. I don't necessarily want to blame that because that provides people a lot of information quickly that they didn't used to have. And in some ways, it's easier to learn now. But there seems to be less tolerance in general for really dedicating a period of your life to learning something like fly fishing or like hunting or, you know, it could be any number of things. Well, I think you're onto something very interesting there. And I don't think you can just blame one device. You can't just blame your iPhone for why you don't have any patience. I think it's, it's, it's the perfect storm of everything. It's the yeah. from the microwave to your iPhone to YouTube to everything is just, it's in a hurry. It's as fast as possible. It's drive through. It's pick the food up. It's get them here. It's Uber. It's, it's, it's the, uh, expedite expedited just way that we live. And then you go out and you, 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 you imagine that the woods has just adjusted accordingly. And it is totally indifferent to our, addiction to convenience <laughs> that's oh yeah that's what yeah. i find myself confronted with every time i go out there is that animal or the weather or the rain or the fish or whatever does not care how i feel at all right 
And, and, it, and, and it hurts my feelings. Yes. And I think some people are able to accept that and even embrace it as a good thing. And, and for some people, it's a much harder thing to overcome. Um, it, it's not that becoming a, a decent fly fisherman is difficult. It's not. I've taught thousands of people how to do it. It's just that you got to put your time in, you know, that's all there is to it. Right. And I don't, I'm not even sure if becoming a decent for, for me anyway, or my interest in it, if that's even the point, the point, right. That is the point for me. It is that I am purposely choosing to put myself in situations that are going to demand me to be uncomfortable because those moments are getting fewer and harder between to go find. And Oh yeah. You yeah. Know, I, and that's a good point is, you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable being uncomfortable. A lot of people aren't comfortable not knowing how to do something. A lot of people are, refuse to accept that they're going to fail at something. They don't want to be embarrassed or they don't want to bother with something that's so difficult that they might fail at it. That's one of my the big draws that I had to um, the show, to the site, to the writing is just your guys' transparency of failure. I mean, it, it seems to me if and maybe it's because you're running your own thing, but I don't know if early on if you were trying to um, – present to a, a a network or something and you're like yeah we want to put this episode out and uh we didn't get anything we uh <laughs> we got skunked and they i can't imagine that they were like yeah sure or they had to be like what do you mean there's nothing there's no well you know it, obviously in and we're talking about hunting television media there was this kind of formula that was very embedded in in uh hunting television where it's like get the kill shots, you know, see the, see a successful hunt. It was, it was always kind of the same thing. And the story was secondary, right? In many cases there, there was no story. Um, you can till still tell a really good story about an unsuccessful hunt. And, and the, there's no reason not to tell that story, I guess, is kind of where we're coming from. Well, if anything, it, it's a more compelling story for me and a much more relatable story because I'm like, yep, I've done that. I totally am, I have felt that feeling with that guy right now. I know exactly what that feels like. Um, so I, that's what I, I think is really cool about what you guys do is you're, you're telling the entire story of this pursuit. And then when you are fortunate enough to come away with something, um, out of the field or out of the river or the water, uh, and then it's a whole nother storyline of how you're about to, uh, and you know, take care of the animal that just took care of you and prepare it and, and make these these epic meals, it's a whole other wrinkle that you guys are doing that I'm just become infatuated with. Yeah. I mean, the food thing is, has been a real important tool for us to reach more people. Um, 
and it was again something that was you know it was given lip service to in some respects but it, there there was never a real deep dive into it and and it's not initially i think meat eater was kind of known for oh they're doing these weird meals like roasting a deer heart on a stick wrapped in call fat that's great um because people kind of got drawn in by that but really it's just about you, you know having that fishing game just become part of your everyday life it's not the, the point isn't to make some strange meal that's going to make people gag or say wow or whatever it's <laughs> yeah it, it's just to treat it right and 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 uh and use it every day you know it's just how we do it yeah i and i you know you're not trying to exactly you're not trying to make some bizarre you know exotic meal that's inaccessible for anybody but what you i what i take away more from it is like you guys are throwing away a lot of this stuff that is uh there's some really good things here that you're throwing out because you think there's only this this and this and if you knew how to do it and you'd go a little bit deeper and learn and, and give educating yourself you, you can enjoy this thing you already enjoy even more i think that's really yeah cool. yeah i mean there's certainly things that i've picked up you know, in my time with meat eater that I wasn't doing before, you know, like probably one of the most popular examples is making osabuco out of, you know, a deer shank or an elk shank, whatever. Um, you know, who knew that would just take off the way it did, but it did. Um, but if we, yeah, we can just get people interested in, in using that meat. It's great. Yeah. Uh, how are you guys constantly, are you just learning from chefs? Is it a constant, um, you know, digging up of new ways and learning from people that you're constant to be able to bring these more and more um, advanced or not just advanced, but creative ways to prepare this stuff? I, I would say it's, it's, no, it's not like sure we're we're trying to come up with new stuff, but most of it's based off of things that have been done with non-game meat for a long time, and you just adjust those recipes for the fact that it's it's a slightly different kind of meat. But no, it, it's not that we're like trying to find excuses to come up with weird and new things. It's it's just. <laughs> It's just a lot of it's just using existing things and tweaking them. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. So this is it's kind of a huge question, and I don't really know how to other than just to come right out. But just what do you what do you get from all of this? The outdoor experiences, the the the, the hunting, the fishing, the writing about it, the spending time with people while you do it, like what it what's the draw of it to for you uh i everything I, I don't know how to answer that succinctly but um you know everybody has at least most people have places that they feel like they belong right and so like i feel like i belong outside and hunting and fishing is an avenue for me to go do 
things that I like doing outside and to go see new places and to go spend time with people that I have stuff in common with. It's just, it's an entire package, right? It's not one thing. Mm -hmm. No, I think that there, I I would have to think at least uh, personally in the, in the, in the very new experiences that I've had that it's, you're not just out there pursuing this certain animal or whatever you have a tag for or a license for uh there's there's a there's for me there's a lot of um you know your life is constantly changing you you have kids you get married you you whatever and you're not the same person you were in your 20s the last time you know you were out there in the field or you went fishing or 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 whatever it was there's a little bit of and not to get just fluffy and weird right now but just there's a you're kind of pursuing and getting to know yourself and there's nothing like self-discovery via uh a lot of discomfort you'll find out real quick who you are that's a big part of it for me i'm curious where you are on that oh i i agree You, you you know you're you'll definitely find out a lot about yourself i mean it might boil down to you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and it's raining and you're like, well, I'm not going turkey hunting today. Or you're the kind of person that's like, it's raining. Let's go. You know, <laughs> you know, yep. I, I remember I saw, I heard, I think it was in one of the mediator podcasts and Steven was talking about, uh, I think he calls it layers of fun where it's basically, it's like, uh, or or dreaded fun, I think is what he called it. Where it's like, you you, you know, once you're out there, you're gonna have a great time. But it's like every once in a while, you secretly wish that it's just like blowing sideways in a thunderstorm and you can't go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that. Like when you kind of look for an excuse to not go, you'd never say that to your to your hunting buddies. <laughs> right. But um, but then you go and. and look you go and you probably probably it sucks like you don't enjoy yourself out there but then it's over and given a little time you look back at it and you're like dang that was great you know it's time gives you some perspectives on, on suffering and bad weather and being tired and cold and i don't know maybe it's just some some kind of sick twisted thing that you know we like inflicting pain on ourselves but i don't think that's what it is no i wouldn't call you a sadist just yet i think that there's just it's something about you just it's it it just makes the experience it makes the the success of it if you find it it just makes it all more valuable whatever that is and it's and it's something that is it's just out there and it's just waiting for you and he's like, all right, you ready? You know, it's almost like everybody's in it together. The game, yep. the the woods, the weather, they're like, you ready for this to suck? Here we go. We're going to give you a great morning. It's going to be a great time. You're going to love it. So Yeah, this this uh, guide that I used to fish with down in Belize, one of his favorite sayings when, when we were after tarp and our permit, he would say, nothing easy is good. You know, you got to, meaning you got to, you know, it's, if you work for it, great. But if it comes too easy, you're not going to appreciate it. Yeah, there's there's layers to that statement in there. Like it's just if it if it's if it was too easy to get, you're not going to think it's good. 
And if it was actually that easy, then it might not even be good for you. So right, <laughs> right, or or good for whatever it was you were chasing, because you're probably yeah, you're cutting a corner some way. That's kind of a a deeper statement than it appears on the front end. So I think there's another thing that the whole uh, content creation in this world, this this world that we've created of never ending scrolling, to where. Uh, it's good and bad. It's got a lot of people outdoors because they've they've ne- otherwise would probably not have been unless they've been exposed to it through these platforms. But do you see people getting out there for maybe um, uh, uh, the wrong reason? Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Maybe there isn't a right or wrong reason to be out doing these things, but just almost in an, a way to gain more attention or notoriety than there is. Well, sure, yeah. I mean... Y- I don't know that they're, again, like you said, I don't know that they're going out there for the wrong reasons, but maybe what they're trying to portray is there, you know, there's some murky motivations out there and, and, you know, it's very easy to, to get wrapped up in trying to analyze what one person's motivation is over another and whether it's all just about likes and clicks and things like that. Um, that's just not something I, I, I personally spend any time worrying about. Um, you can only control what, what you're doing yourself, you know? And so I think if you spend too much time worrying about what other people are doing, it's, it's, it's just going to end up, making you bitter and that's i'm not interested in being bitter about what other people are doing well that's a very very healthy answer um just and the long one i to to give you a short answer sure there's people out there that are doing things for the wrong reason yeah no doubt well that but that's nothing that's nothing new to the human experience uh that that's you know insert whatever comparison there was here in whatever right. whatever timeline we were on what is new is calling uh your time in the outdoors or or whatever it is is the specificity of that this can become a career and then that's when people start clamoring over top of each other and it turns into, sure you know yeah yeah it it, it can bog things down when when you start using terms like professional hunter or professional angler or influencer or ambassador or pro staff, you know, people are right to question what the motivations are when, when they see, you know, those types of labels attached to certain people. Um, but I think if you use a little common sense and, and if you kind of go with your gut, you'll quickly figure out, the people that are doing it for the right reasons and the ones that are, that are have questionable motivations. Exactly. Right. I think, and uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that bothered me and I think that maybe I avoided um, the pursuits for a while. Is it, is this, this strange, um, hypothetical that that everybody has to be a specific something and that's that's a less than 300 year old ideal i think it's 
that you know oh you're a hunter guy or you're the you're a you're a fishing guy or you're a, a, a motorcycle guy or a car guy or a sports guy or whatever and then everybody's just supposed to stay in their lane and have those bumper stickers and wear that stuff and you know I think the on the frontier you were just a dude and sometimes you're trying gonna... to survive yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no and, and you you're right you'll get that it's not even like you're a hunter or you're an angler or you're a motorcyclist it's like you get then you get all these like subgroups within that right like you're a trout fisherman or <laughs> right. you're a whitetail hunter and i like i've got no interest in that man like I give people like, like use the whitetail hunting thing, for example, like guys who spend three months sitting in a tree trying to kill a single buck. Like I have all the respect in the world for someone that's that dedicated to a singular pursuit. I'm just not interested in living my life that way because you're missing out on too much other stuff as far as I'm concerned. But I do give people like that credit, you know, right. Just not something I could do. Well, I, yeah, it probably, it all comes back to, I don't know, did dad not hug us enough? What do we, what do we try? Are we trying to just belong here? What's going on? Because I, I've noticed that in every, it's, it's not just the outdoors. It's not just hunting and fishing to where, oh, you're a whitetail guy, you're a fly guy. Even between the fly guys, there's the mountain, the, the, the trout guys, there's the salt guys, there's the, sure there's all of that, you know, in the, you, you see somebody in a pair of work boots and oh he's a construction worker. Well, that construction worker, I'm a concrete guy. I'm not your concrete guy. I'm a finisher. I'm an asphalt guy. You know, I screw those guys over there in asphalt. <laughs> like I've seen that. I got buddies that do that for a living and it's and, and it becomes we, we we figure out a way to to uh, differentiate or to make ourselves seem more important than we are and it's just it's 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 laughable it really is yeah yeah it, it, it it's it does more harm than good as far as i'm concerned yeah and but the other thing is and i remember i heard uh jesse griffiths from in the i always mispronounce his restaurant in austin uh, Daidu, Daidu, yeah, and he was he was on and he was talking about you know we don't all need to be a united front. He's like I don't even know what that means about all all having to agree on an issue or else we're not going to be allowed to do this anymore as a as a hunting community. It's like you know okay I get it like coyotes are an invasive species but like I don't want to kill them so don't why do I have to do what everybody's telling you know what I mean so there's also that it's like we're all the same here we're all just trying to have a good time we're trying to enjoy something we're trying to learn something about ourselves but at the same time please stop trying to make everybody think the same way as long as they're not being uh, destructive to the whole thing that we're trying to do that doesn't make any sense either yeah yeah I I mean I've certainly and maybe it's an old age thing or having kids or whatever. I mean, I, I had very narrow opinions about what I thought was, was worth doing when I was in my twenties and even into my thirties, you know, as far as like take fly fishing, for example, like I had no interest in catching trout underneath a, a bobber or strike indicator. Um, you know, I was all about catching them on dry flies. Now, it's not necessarily that my opinion has changed. It's just that 
I don't need to voice it. And I don't care if, if you do enjoy catching trout under a bobber, that's great. You know, right. I, I don't need to fight with anyone about it. Right. I don't know what that is about youthful exuberance or you're, 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 you're busting onto the scene as a young buck and you're trying to, you know, I don't puff your chest out about something. Cause like my whole thing was, is, is, is I would try to be what I thought I was supposed to be about to fit into this group. Right. So I moved to Florida and everybody's like, Oh, you got to get into, you know, chasing redfish and snook and tarpon on, on the fly. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. So then, you know, I got, I got the right shirt. I got the Haller brothers hat. Okay, here we go. Now what do I, what am I supposed to do? Oh, we're supposed to hate catfish. Yeah. Screw those trash fish. I hate catfish. And then, <laughs> you know, like, okay, let's do that. And then I'm like, uh, as I get older, I'm like, wait a second. It's kind of cool to catch something and bring it home and cut it up and put it in the frying pan and eat it for lunch. That's a good time. And sure. I'm, I'm, yeah. So then, you know what? What an idiot to, to sit here and hate on the catfish guys. What does that even mean? That doesn't make any sense. And it's just something it's just it's just ignorant pride or whatever you want to call it uh, of us trying to dismiss another group of people that are out there doing something. That I'm, I'm on the same page, man. It's like, why why did I even feel the need to fight that? That was so stupid. Yeah, yeah. It's all about if you, you you'll uh, you'll have a lot more fun if you, if you just figure out that it's just about having fun out there. You know, like if you you can come to terms with that, then you'll have more fun. Yeah, it's like if you can get out of your own way, you're gonna start having a really good time out here. Yep. I, I think about that all. I'm in my own way about so many different things. Um, okay, so back to one of the things that I've always and and you said that you joined the Meat Eater crew um, as a as on the film crew. What was your role? I there? did. Yeah, yeah. Giannis Patelis, who is the producer of the Meat Eater television show now, um, the, the back in the, the day, eagle. I'm told he's the eagle, a Latvian eagle. Yeah. What is that? What is that? Where does that come from? Well, the eagle part of it is uh, he's got a super good game eye. So he's always spotting spotting critters that are miles away. Oh, okay. I did not know the origin of the Latvian. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we used to guide uh, fly fishing together back in Colorado. And uh, right about the time that I was starting to feel like I needed to wind down my guiding career, um, I just felt like I had kind of accomplished what I needed to accomplish and and I was ready to move on. I'd been at it a long time. Um, he gave me a call and asked if I wanted to do a two-week gig as a production assistant on a documentary film that Steve was making, which is called Stars in the Sky, that you can watch that that uh, documentary, hunting documentary film on Vimeo now. Yeah, I've watched it, and it's awesome. <clears throat> Yeah, it was it was a life changing experience, man. It was my first trip to Alaska. Um, I had already been a fan of Steve's books before that, so there was a lot of things that made it a real easy decision to say, "Yeah, I'm going to end my guiding season a couple weeks early this year and, and jump on that opportunity." Well, now, but that was just that project, right? There wasn't, yeah. And so there was a lot of, you could have gone back to guiding the following season if it didn't, 
materialize into something else or was this kind I of continued, like a... I, I continued guiding for a, another year. Um, but it like during the winter, I did a little bit of, of a couple little pieces for Steve's hunting guidebooks. There's a big game hunting guidebook and a small game one. So I did a little bit of that over that winter and, and then guided the following spring, summer, and then the following fall, those guys asked if I wanted to be basically a full-time member of the crew for that season, filming that season of meat eater. So I worked an entire season that following year. And then it just started building from there. Steve asked me if I'd like to do some writing for the website and then kind of one thing led to another. And here we are. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by how those things like how they tick, how they work. So, and you tell me if it's the magic that you can't let me know. You just say, yeah, I can't talk about it. But with, you're bringing a crew. It's hard enough if you're just out there by yourself uh, to go find something, not spook it and, and make it run off and everything else. How does that work with a camera crew? Um, it certainly adds an element of of difficulty you've just got more bodies moving around more scent getting spread more noise being made um and i think it was you know i came in i came in after they had already filmed several seasons of the show so that you know steve and Giannis kind of had it figured out and they also had a couple of camera guys that also had it figured out and knew how steve liked to hunt and knew when to move and when not to move, when to talk, when to be quiet. Um, so I came in at a time when, when that was really kind of already dialed in. Um, but yeah, it, there, there's no question that having a camera crew adds a, a large element of, of diff, increased difficulty to any hunt. Those guys ever um, share some stories about, before they had it dialed in they're like this guy would whatever and we thought we had it and then we didn't get any of it was there some hard knock oh well anytime an animal gets spooked the first thing you do is blame the camera guy right (laughs) that's what i would do yeah um whether it was their fault or not um but um no i i think we got lucky in the fact that we had some guys that that, that Steve enjoyed working with and he kind of groomed them to, and these weren't, these guys weren't hunters necessarily either. Um, but he kind of groomed them and they each learned and they got along and they just kind of gelled into a unit that, that did things very well together. And, and two or three of those guys are still, still filming for us. Favorite, favorite place so far you've ever been? and traveling with the show and making the oh hands down alaska um see everybody says that and it's like alaska is more than just one place like we've been you know way up north by the arctic circle and the brooks range and and uh uh, you know to different places in alaska my favorite place probably is where steve's fish shack is his cabin in southeast alaska on prince of wales island there's just something about that place that I just love it there. It's kind of a gloomy um, kind of foreboding environment at times, but it's, it's also beautiful and 
I just I can't get enough of that place. Yeah, I mean I haven't set met a person that has been to Alaska and doesn't say that about that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's an it's an amazing place, and and again, it's like you can't categorize it as as just one place, but the the whole state is is pretty cool. I'm uh, going through your 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 Instagram account, big big turkey guy. Yeah, and I came to that kind of late as a hunter, really. Um, when I was a kid in Pennsylvania, th- there were no turkeys in northwestern Pennsylvania where I grew up. Um, it, turkey hunting was like this destination thing that you did. You went to the mountains three or four hours away, and it was there, there wasn't a lot of turkeys there. Um, it was only it was not until late high school early college that we started seeing turkeys in northwestern pennsylvania so i just didn't grow up hunting them um it it was just not something i did we occasionally we'd kill one in the fall just by happenstance on a small game hunt that was about it um and uh actually Giannis kind of got me into it it was something i was getting more and more interested in but I, i think i started maybe 10 years ago we started going to out to Nebraska and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. It, it like, it, I, if you like, I, I don't know, man, I, I couldn't do just one kind of hunting, like I said, but turkey hunting's up there, man, as far as what, what I enjoy the most. Well, it's so, it's so completely different than the rest of it. It's uh because I I really dove deep into it really for the first time this season because I had the luxury of a good friend of mine who's kind of obsessed with it and we've been doing it here um, in West Virginia on public land and, and just the the whole thing of just I, I, you have no idea they're they're like they're like dinosaurs. I mean, they're, you can, yeah, they're, they're crazy. They're, if they weighed a hundred pounds, they'd be scary to hunt. They'd be the most ferocious thing in the woods. Like they're, but they're literally, you could tell they're like this weird distant relative of a raptor or something because yep. when those things get close and they start screaming and thumping and drumming. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You, you can't even yeah. put, and I, I had no idea. And then you call these things in there. It's just, it's, it's other than, elk right that you can call in like that and they're screaming at you which i've never experienced but uh that it's it's a really really cool experience and i like the physicality of it being an east sider on the east side of the mississippi you don't get the luxury of glassing and then getting to go walk and do all the physicality of the right you know you sit when you're when you're yeah. whitetail hunting, you sit and it's just miserable. With turkey hunting, you get to move around a ton, and I think that's why I like yeah. it the most. Yeah, it, it's it's something. Uh, and, and the thing I like about it is there will be a time when it's going to be real hard for me to get around in the mountains and and chase after mule deer and bull elk and things like that. But turkey hunting, man, you can you can keep after it. And you know, well into old age, which which uh, which I enjoy knowing that. Um, it, it's just fun. I like it. it's just it's just so much fun. Yeah, I guess that's something you don't really think about with, uh, you know, with like guides. You know, you what does an old guide do? 
Like, what what do you do when you're old? You, you like you said, is that when you realize, oh, I start, I got to start thinking about the next phase here because you don't see. Okay. As far as guiding goes, well, yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, guys that are yeah, you know, taking I mean, you through the mountains the and thing, doing man, something. Is, I I got to the point in my guiding career where I was like, okay, you need to make a decision whether this is going to be what you do, for, like forever, or you uh, you kind of work at something else that you you, you want to do, and and guiding is a tough career man it's 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 hard on your body it it, guys don't get rich doing it um there's not like a retirement plan for guys it's like and and if if you do it long enough you've kind of reached a point where you're almost stuck doing it forever and there are plenty of excellent guides out there that have figured out a way to make that work. I was not, it was just not something that I saw working for myself. Yeah, I can see that. So like, I mean, but a guy, you know, you can't be getting up and down that river in your sixties and some guy's day is dependent on that. Like, you know, like I just wondered what there's some tough old codgers out there that make it work, man. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's, for the most part, it's a young man's thing. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of designed for people in their twenties, twenties, and thirties. Now, you know, not to say that flat guiding is is easier or anything, but yeah, at least not, you're don't, you're don't working in. Guys mad. Don't. Yeah, always... I, I mean, you're you're working in warmer weather. Polling is certainly physically exerting, but you, you tend to see guys who last a little longer doing that as yeah, opposed to yeah, to sure. guy to cramming in a hundred days in the summer in a row in the in the Rockies. Mm. So switching gears here into what you guys are doing now with the website and and everything like that, you know, who are the people is it is it a wide range of the population that is kind of coming and visiting and reading and consuming and emailing you guys and listening and watching, or is it, is it kind of, you're seeing it's this explosion of this group. Is it, is it young people? Is it older people coming back around to it? You know, I, I wonder just where the, and I really hate the term industry, but where the, the pursuit of the outdoors is headed. Man, I wish we knew exactly where it was headed. That would be great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems like you know, just you're fighting a lot of things. You get you're going up against anti hunters who are trying to get things outlawed. You're fighting these issues on public lands. It would be great to know where those kinds of things are headed. But as far as our audience goes, you, you know, the core of it is is based on that. Uh, on that television show where we've had a large viewership for many years, but the growth, and this is strictly my opinion. Um, I'm not representing anyone else's thoughts from meat eater here, but my opinion is the growth has stemmed from people who want to learn things, not be told things like 
by uh, by a quote expert. They they want to learn. They want to be entertained, and they want to feel like they're a part of a community. And and that those are things that I think that we've done well. Oh no doubt. I mean, you're exactly right. When you're when you're consuming your guys's content, and I might have to. We might have to switch the batteries out of this recorder here in a minute if it dies. So, uh, but and we're not going to be that much longer anyway because I know you got a million things that you need to do. Uh, but you, you feel like you are you're being led and not sold something. There's a there yeah. is a difference, and I think yeah. that you you guys have you're you're reinventing you know the the experience of watching a show where it's not like hey, I use this type of camo, and if you don't use this call, you're an idiot, and then I killed a 400-pound buck. And you're like, what do you, what? I don't, there's something, something's missing here. I don't feel like I'm getting the full story here. Whereas it does feel like with you guys, you are telling uh, a full story, and we feel included in it, and there's something very cool about that. Yeah, and I, like that example that you gave, I think that's, like, we don't do like our goal is not to do things as a pushback against that kind of content. It's just like not we why we do things. And, and I think people see through that kind of stuff very easily. People are smarter than you give them credit for, for the most part. Um, we're just, we just want to tell stories about what we find interesting and, Hopefully that helps people learn how to do things that they're going to find interesting and fun and fill the freezer, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, so how do we, you know, what do we need to see? What do we need to visit? What can we expect coming up? What do we need to be on the lookout for all things? Well, you know, this, this damn COVID-19 has made life difficult for everyone. So I don't want to make it seem like, we're necessarily victims of that, but it, it, it's, uh, we're working on season nine of the mediator television show as we speak. Um, so that's getting worked on, but people that are wondering when, when that's going to happen, hopefully this fall, but you know, this, this virus is, is kind of thrown scheduling into a loop. So we are working on that. Um, we're constantly publishing really good articles on the website. So if people haven't checked out the meateater.com, they should go there. There's, there's all kinds of things to learn about there: hunting, fishing, finding morel mushrooms, you know, conservation, public lands. It's like, it's a, it, the pa whole package is there. So check out the website for sure. And uh, we've also got these other video projects that, happen outside of of the netflix show um we did one last year called das boat which was a fishing show oh man that was uh, that was literally one of my favorite things to watch of the year was that yeah that, that turned something. out great it was really cool yeah and we we had yeah. miles here on on this show and, and he was a super cool dude to talk to and we actually had your buddy and I just watched I was going to talk to you about it after we stopped recording but I had just watched your episode uh in Texas with the with the hog hunt with Alvin yep. Dito and that was a that, just I love these the the YouTube specials you guys are putting out it's great yeah 
Yeah, so we'll we'll be doing a season two of DOS Boat, and just recently we released a YouTube series called Meat Eater Hunts, which is, um, you, you know, kind of along the same lines as as uh, the Meat Eater television show, but featuring some different people. And and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to film one of those with my friend Alvin Dadell, a hog hunt down in Texas. So yeah, check out Meat Eater Hunts on YouTube. We'll do well, Brody. You guys are you're you're genuine folks, and sometimes you get I get worried about uh, when you really are a fan of something, meeting the people behind it, because then you're like, oh man, they're not very cool. <laughs> but, uh, you guys have not disappointed, and and we're very appreciative of your time with the little guys. Uh, little guys, not even an answer. We're just getting started over here, so um, we we very much appreciate it. Oh, oh, I I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'm. I'm glad to know you're out there doing what you're doing. And uh, if you ever need any help with anything, just, just get in touch. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have a great one. All right. You take it easy. See you. Bye. Talk to me so you can see. There you have it. Brody Henderson. I told you they just, they got a cool crew over there. It's good people. It's cool when something you really like and the people actually match up behind it. All right? Guys, thanks for listening to the Man Child Podcast. Thanks for being a part of what it is we're trying to do. Thanks for believing in it. Uh, Thank you for your input, for your emails, for your messages, for your direct messages, for your comments. Uh, Let's keep this thing growing. You, me, your buddy, whoever. All right? If you like what you're hearing, if you like what's going on, you got to do the thing. I know. You don't want me to say it, and I don't want to say it. I just want to. I just. I just want to make this thing and be done, right? But for it to grow, you got to rate us. You got to give us a give us give us all the stars that they have to offer. Give us all the stars and uh, share it. Tell your friends. Stand up in a high section in a restaurant and proclaim your love of Manchild Media, and uh, nobody will think you're weird for it, and we'll appreciate it. All right, so. Uh, you know, and that, that's, I guess there's some sort of algorithm that it moves us up when you do that. All right. So thank you. Thank you to David Lessing, the creator, the performer, the writer of the man child jingle jangle. Thank you to our buddy, our buddy up in the Cincinnati, Hamilton, Ohio, uh, Patrick Davis, our engineer, our website designer. Thank you to the Manchild crew, everybody that's working hard on a lot of the special top secret stuff that we got coming out. Thank you to Heath Brown. Thank you to Scott Kellums. Uh, am I forgetting anybody? Yeah, there's not that many of us, I'll be honest, okay? Uh, have a great one. Treat each other well. Find something you're bad at and go dive into it and struggle and uh, have a tough conversation. Don't avoid conflict. Don't avoid love. Don't avoid uh, anything that makes you nervous because there's probably some big living on the other side of it. Have a great one. We'll see you next time.